reading is from Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 45. Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on the land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Slowly, sorry, shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried those who were ill on mats to wherever they heard he was. And whenever he went into villages, towns or countryside, they placed those who were ill in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. And a special welcome to those who are watching or listening at home. For those who don't know me, I'm Val Leckler, a long-standing member of this church, for whom today is a rare opportunity to be actually present in person in the Sunday morning service. The cancer treatment that I'm on has made me very susceptible to picking up viruses and infections, So I've had to avoid large crowds for a long time or risk a stay in hospital. So sadly, I won't be mixing freely in the lounge afterwards. But although you haven't seen me on Sundays, I have been attending the smaller Wednesday communion, co-leading our Connect group and seeing folk individually. The whole experience of being forced to isolate has made me reflect much more on the word presence. Zoom is great, but you don't feel presence. Phone calls are great, but you don't feel presence. If you find yourself alone on a regular basis, you will know the transformative power of the presence of another person. In my time alone, in the last couple of years, I've been discovering more about the transformative presence of Jesus. Simon Ponsonby says that to truly encounter Jesus is to be knocked sideways, astonished, overwhelmed. Mild interest means you have not met him. That's why I want to talk about the transformative presence of Jesus this morning, from the story in Mark 6, which Rosie's just read to us. 
Let's go to the Sea of Galilee in AD 33. Jesus has just astounded the disciples and about 5,000 others by miraculously multiplying five loaves and two fish to enable everyone to be fed and even to have leftovers. But straight afterwards, he sends his disciples off in a boat to go ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismisses the crowd before going up a mountain to pray. These experienced fishermen set off across the lake, but find the wind against them. If you've ever tried to walk against a strong wind, it's exhausting and hard to make progress. Imagine rowing against such a wind. They made slow progress. Hours on, exhausted and despondent, they had only reached the middle of the lake. Jesus is nowhere to be seen. I wonder how they felt. Perhaps the last two years of lockdowns and cancelled plans, living with uncertainty and a fair amount of fear and anxiety, has felt like rowing against the wind for you. Many here have lost loved ones. Others have lost jobs. Several of us are undergoing cancer treatment of different types or dealing with the loneliness of mental illness, loss of hopes and expectations. The war in Ukraine, which brings such an overwhelming sense of powerlessness, and now a cost of living crisis. We are tired. Perhaps like the disciples, Jesus isn't very visible anymore. It's been hard to see him in this relentless wind, and all we can do is row on and on, wondering if he's there. The psalmist expresses it so well in Psalm 38. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. There is a place for lament, and Jesus always gives us space to be honest. It's okay to be not okay. Even the disciples who spent so much time in his presence felt doubt and didn't recognize the presence of Jesus. How great that the Bible never puts a spin on physical or mental pain, but names it authentically and encourages us to let out our feelings to God and ask him questions when we struggle to understand what's going on. However, in verse 48 of the passage, we read, he saw them straining at the oars. They couldn't see him, but he saw them. One of his Hebrew names used by Hagar in Genesis 16 is El Roy, the God who sees me. Friends, we have a God who is so deeply attuned to us that not only does he see us when we strain at the oars of life, but he actually knows the number of hairs on our heads. He knows us better than we know ourselves. But sometimes 
he allows us to go it alone and row against the wind. It doesn't mean he doesn't care. He's watching us carefully, but is teaching us to trust him in the scary moments. Job wrote, But God knows the way I take. When he has tested me, I will come out as pure gold. It wasn't until the fourth watch of the night that Jesus caught up with the disciples. Nearly at dawn. So often, he waits until we are really totally at the end of our own resources and really desperate. We read how he went out to them, walking on the lake. Jesus is moving them from trusting him when he performs a visible miracle, like feeding the 5,000, to a deeper trust in him and in his words. However, they saw him, but didn't recognize him. Picture, please, Chris. They thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. The message version says they were scared senseless. It's interesting that fear is addressed in the Bible more than any other emotion. God really gets us. The child waking at night, having a nightmare, isn't comforted by the light snapping on. She needs the reassuring presence of a beloved parent saying it's okay, don't be scared, I'm here. Now Jesus immediately takes their fear away saying, don't be afraid, it is I. Or as some translations put it, I am is here. Let's just stop there for a moment and take in what he's just said because the I am has huge Old Testament significance, which the Jewish disciples would have recognized. In the Old Testament, God had many names and could not be referred to directly due to his holiness. When asked by Moses in Exodus 3 who he was, he replied, I am who I am. The Lord Almighty is his name. So when Jesus used the term, I am in the New Testament, the Jews hearing him would have been shocked and amazed to hear this name of God attributed to Jesus. In using this term now to his frightened friends, Jesus is reminding him who he is. They are slowly getting it. He's just fed 5,000 people and walked across a windswept lake with huge waves. He's addressing them now to take courage. In her book, Miracles in the Midst of War, Paula O'Keefe describes what happened one morning when she was leading a service in Chechnya. She writes, Six Chechen fighters stormed a meeting of 80 new believers at a Christian camp, shouting at us to stop singing. For a split second, I stopped, said Paula. And then I thought, how dare anyone tell me to stop worshipping my Jesus? 
So I just started strumming and singing in tongues very loudly. The whole room started singing, and I saw the color drain from the face of the guy who told me to stop. He said, sorry, and ran away. (laughs) They got really scared. When we get to heaven, we'll find out what happened. Yes, to truly encounter Jesus is to be knocked sideways, astonished, overwhelmed. No wonder the wind died down as he climbed into the boat with them. Can you hear their sighs of relief? Today, by his spirit, he gets into the boat with you and with me. He doesn't remain aloof, but engages in the mess of life with us, even though our hearts may still need softening and we don't always recognize him. Friends, the presence of Jesus always gives courage. Why? Because he's God himself. The I am, the highest authority there is, and also the comforter and our Abba Father. Do we recognize just who he is? When we still our minds and become fully present to Jesus, picturing him sitting with us, looking at us, speaking to us, then we will stop talking at him and start listening. What is he saying to you this morning? Don't miss it. When we recognize the presence of Jesus, we can't but take courage. Sarah Yardley, writing in Lectio 365, says, Our primary call, like the disciples, is to linger in the presence of Jesus. In the places where my heart burns with his love, I may not find immediate answers or resolution, but often I find my perspective is radically shifted. I have found this to be true, the transformative presence of Jesus. Don't be afraid, thou. It is I. Mark continues in verse 51, the disciples were completely amazed, for they hadn't understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Like them, there is much about God's ways that we don't understand. Paul talks about looking through a glass darkly. Our hearts need to be softened and attuned to a different drum than that of the world we live in. So how do we soften our hearts? By spending time in the presence of Jesus. By lingering in his word. By worshipping him. By choosing to notice his blessings and being thankful. By keeping on forgiving, even when it's hard by allowing him to hold us in our fear and to comfort our weary souls. 
by yielding to his ways with us, trusting him to take the rudder of our lives. A final thought. The disciples landed at Gennesaret and anchored there, despite having set off for Bethsaida. They'd clearly been blown off course. I have to say, I've been blown off course the last few years, as I guess many of us have in different ways. Perhaps you thought you were going to Bethsaida, but having been battered by storms, you've ended up at Gennesaret. But when Jesus is in the boat with us, he takes the rudder, and we start learning to trust him, even when we don't understand where we're going. Friends, Jesus doesn't promise us a calm sea and a following wind. He asks us to trust him and to take up our cross daily and follow him without knowing where he's taking us. But his transforming presence addresses our fear. And if we're tuned in to hear his voice, we will hear him say, when we're most scared, don't be afraid, it is I. Let's have a moment's quiet just to capture what he's saying to us today. And if you'd like to pray with someone after the service, please grab one of us or a friend who's sitting nearby before you leave. Because I believe there are many here this morning who Jesus wants to speak to, perhaps for the first time. As we sit quietly, can you picture him talking to you? Can you hear him say, Take courage, it is I, the God who sees you. Lord, you alone know our individual, unique stories here this morning. We know that you love each person sitting here and long for us to trust you with the heartaches, fears and anxieties that threaten to capsize us. Please come into the boat of our lives afresh today and soften our hearts so that we can really recognize who you are and place our trust in the one who sees us and loves us more than we will ever know. For your namesake. Amen.